Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. shouldn't be. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to church. I think Pastor Lisa needs to write an extended remix of that song and add those verses. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, freedom fighters, curse breakers, boom, boom, and boom. What a wonderful Sunday. Thank you, guys. You led beautifully and so strong. Thank you for all you do. Wonderful to see you all. Gosh, I've missed you guys. It's so good to be home. Uh, go ahead and grab your seats. Pastor Jürgen and I were on vacation. We take vacations so we can be refreshed and be the pastors and the leaders that you need us to be. We had a great time. We got to visit Pastor Jürgen's home hometown in Germany. Uh, for those of you that didn't know, he was born in Germany, and we got to go visit the house that he was born in. He was born in a, in a little house in a place called Tuttlingen, and he got to preach there in Germany, the first time he's ever preached in Germany, and he got to preach in German, which was exciting. I'm not sure if you know that. He knows German pretty well, and um, it, it was just an amazing time that we had. So we're back refreshed revived, feeling alive for this next season. So excited to be here with you fine people. Hope you're having a great Sunday and uh, it's just gonna get better. I have a word from the Lord for you today and if, if I had one assignment, it's this, it's to flick on your faith switch, to, to get you from fear to faith. The world has got fear covered well and truly. The spirit of the world is, is going to try to deal out fear like an addictive drug every day. That's why it's so important for us to be in church and to hear the word of the Lord because we're called to be people of faith, not people of fear. We're not called to conform to the patterns of this world like the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what happens in church? You get your mind renewed. Out with the fear, in with the faith. Out with the hopelessness, in with the hope. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. Amen. So I've got a word this morning that is going to help you do this. It's, I have an objective. God has an objective for you to make you people of faith. So we're going to start reading. We're going to read a classic tale from the Bible, from the New Testament, the book of Acts, starting in chapter number three. Now, those of you who went to Sunday school as a kid will remember hearing about this story and even singing a song about this story. It starts like this, chapter three, verse one. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Now, this is a more acceptable time to have a prayer service, none of this 6 a.m. business that you, I mean, this is, this is a good time to be praying, three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth. So, so let's not skip over this. Let's take a minute to think about the desperation 
of this man's circumstance. He'd never got to play in sports teams. He never knew what it felt like to stand and to walk and to run. He, he didn't really ever experience true freedom and, and life the way that God had designed him to enjoy it. So this layman from birth was being carried in. That means he had some good friends. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So this is where the story is about to shift because he's about to get more than he bargained for. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. I want you to underline that word. Look at us, that sentence. Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly and he was expecting some money, but he's about to have his expectations exceeded. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. I think what he says, says is he probably did have silver or gold, but, but he knew that what this man needed was not money, he didn't need charity, he actually needed change. It's kind of like when my, when my daughter asked, Mom, can I have money for this particular thing? And I'm like, I don't have money for that. I do have money, but not for that. So, so just like me with my daughter, this man was saying, no, I don't have money for that, but what I do have, it goes on, I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Underline that statement, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, look at this, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed Let's not skip over this because we can read about some radical miracles in the Bible and just read them like we're reading today's newspaper. Instantly healed and strengthened. This lame man from birth who was never part of a sports team, who never got to use his legs, who had to watch the other kids run and play his whole life, who was dependent on others forever, for all he had known up until this point, jumped up, stood on his feet. What is happening? And began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. So this was a public miracle. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so beautiful at the gate, uh, so, so beautiful, at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They couldn't believe it. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? Underline that statement too. And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? It wasn't us. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. And then because Peter is not one to let sleeping dogs lie, he goes on. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him up from the dead. And we are witnesses to this fact. 
Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. The title of my message today is Disrupt the Dysfunction. Disrupt the Dysfunction. And, and okay, that was not an appropriate applause. I, I'm, a, I'm afraid you're gonna need to try better. Disrupt the Dysfunction. I want you to, I want you to feel this. I'm coming to impart something today more than I am coming to teach you. You're going to hear a really great Bible story, but, but God wants to impart faith into your hearts today. The, the world is so stuck in their fear, so, so stuck in their hopelessness. We're, we're, we're believers. We're called to be people of faith. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, when I return, will I still find faith on the earth? which tells me that when Jesus splits the sky and returns to collect his sons and daughters, he's going to be looking for something. And he's, he doesn't even say, I'm going to be looking for love. I'm going to be looking for tolerance. I'm going to be looking for people who knew how to stay safe. He's saying, I'm actually looking for people of faith. Am I, going to, am I going to come find people, men and women, believers, people who bear my name, Christians? Am I going to find faith in my kids? So we're going to disrupt the dysfunction today because we, we see, we pick up the story just after Jesus has ascended to heaven. He spent 40 days with his disciples, prepared them for his departure, and then handed it over to the boys. And so Peter and John are, are alive. Their lives are vibrating with the power of the Holy Spirit. So they're walking to a prayer meeting, and as others are walking by and seeing someone who was very much in need of prayer, a, a recipient, the purpose of prayer standing in front of them that probably so many other religious people walked by and ignored. Peter and John saw this is actually the reason that we pray, why God gave us a prayer language, why God gave us faith, because we're going to bump into needs outside the church where people are needing for us to believe things for them that they maybe don't have faith to believe for, the, for themselves. See, see, he was quite happy to just get charity something that would sustain him for another day. But God wanted to change his life forever. Isn't that amazing? See, we can, we can reduce church down. You'll get out of it what, what your expectation is putting into or what you put your expectation in. We can get out of it charity. But God wants to change us forever. He wants to change our lives. And this is so evident in this story here today. And it's not lost on me that this is happening outside the doors of the church. It's, near, it's in the gate. It's the gate, beautiful. He's close, but he's not quite in there. Because back in those days, as a lame person, you couldn't go into the church. It ruined the aesthetic. You need to stay on the outside. But thank God for Peter and John, people of faith, who knew that the greatest needs weren't so much found in the house of God, but outside. <laughs> You know, when Pastor Jürgen and I were on vacation, we were walking through his hometown, just a little ways away from his hometown in a place called Constance. We were trying to get our steps in because we were eating way too many schnitzels. <laughs> and uh, as we were walking past, holding hands, walking along, this woman rushed out just from, from the side of my eye. I could just see this woman rushing. She rushed out and she grabbed me by the arm. Never met her before, a stranger. And she said, where are you guys from? And we said, well, we're from, from America. And then she asked the most bizarre question. She looks at me and she goes, does your husband love you? Do you feel protected and cherished and, and loved and, 
honored by your husband? Do you feel like all the, the work you do as a woman is respected and honored in your home? And I thought, well, that's an odd question, but one I'm very equipped to answer. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, yes, actually, yes. I feel cherished and championed and protected and empowered, and I've been able to blossom into the woman that I believe God created me to be under his covering and his leadership. And she just started to cry. It was the strangest thing. And so then Jürgen stretched out his hand and said, would you take my hand? I want to pray for you. And he asked her, what's your name? And she said, Daniela. He said, ah, Daniela, your, na your name means God is judge. And there is a, a threat of justice on the inside of you where you see injustice, it bothers you, it, it offends you and, and it agitates you and God put it there and God has seen the things that you've experienced and seen the things that you've witnessed and what he wants you to know today is that he has an anointing and a purpose on your life and all the things that you've been through and experienced, God is going to work them all together for good. God loves you. And she just started bawling her eyes out. We were able to pray with her, hug her. She followed me on Instagram. I mean, only Jesus. So sometimes we think the greatest needs of humanity we're going to see expressed just in the church building, but nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says that the fields are white unto harvest. Go out into the harvest field. We live in a world full of needs. Sometimes we can be so preoccupied with doing church that we forget to be the church. In a world that so desperately wants to have an encounter with God, and that's what I love about this story with Peter and John. So I had you underline three specific statements because they're statements I feel the Holy Spirit is on today that I want to bring some revelation to, to disrupt our dysfunction. God wants to take us from our areas of lameness in our life into a place of wholeness. So I want you to even think about your own life today. Where in your life are you stuck? Under a ceiling, not experiencing the freedom that the Lord wants you to have, or maybe a family member. Maybe there's an area where you're, you're stuck. It, it's, a, it's a lame area, an area that is not being fully expressed in your life the way that God would intend today. Think about it. And as I speak these words, let the Lord minister to you and fill your heart with faith. So three statements made by Peter to disrupt this man's dysfunction. The first one is this, look at us. Look at us. So the Bible says that Peter said to the lame man, after John and Peter were looking at him intently, look at us. And it was more than just a, hey, look at me, look at me, like you'd say to your kid if they were in trouble. It was a look at me, really look at my reflection. I am a picture of what God wants to do for you. Here I am, standing in wholeness, standing in my authority, full of the power of God, extending out my hand to the needy. This is what God wants to do for you. You find that in church, God will give you a picture of people to look at that are a reflection of what he wants to do for you. The worst thing you could do is allow those reflections to torment you and say, well, it's all right for some. It's all right for some. Well, look at their marriage. It's all right for some. That's actually a picture or a reflection of what God wants to do for you. God doesn't give us these pictures to torment us. He doesn't give us these pictures so we'd be envious or jealous. But so we'd stand up and go, oh my gosh, God, that's what you want for me. Look at us. Look at us. Look what God has done in us. He wants to do it in your life too. 
I love the story that I heard many, many years ago about uh, a man who, who was an alcoholic and living on the streets. And there was, there was a, a, a company that had come from a church in the area and that would go through into the highways and the byways and the streets and they would minister to these people who you know, were down and out and had addiction problems and were out on the streets. And there was a particular man by the name of Jim. And Jim would go out most nights sometimes taking his family members and he would minister and he, he found this particular person that he would minister to uh, pretty constantly, like pour into him, bring him food, ask how he could help in any way, get him rehabilitated. And he would take him to church. He would take him to church with him on a Sunday. And the preacher was preaching and, uh, you know, he's giving a compelling message and then had an altar call and said, if you want to come forward, if you want God to change your life then I want you to come forward and stand on the altar. So this man who Jim had been ministering to came forward on the altar and he got down on his knees and he lifted his hands and he cried out, God, make me more like Jim. God, make me more like Jim. God, make me more like Jim. And the, the preacher grabs his arm and goes, don't you mean make me more like Jesus? And he looks up at him and goes, is Jesus like Jim? Look at us, look at us. God will give you pictures not to torment you, but to inspire you. What are you looking for today? What reflection do you need to look to as an inspiration? If you see someone who's successful and excellent and virtuous and godly and integrous in what they do and they're prospering, don't be jealous of them. Don't try to run them down in your head. Look at them as an inspiration, as a God-given picture of what God wants to do in your life. God wants to shift things in your life, and he will give you a reflection and, and a picture. And don't resist us when we show you the picture. You know what we're going to do at Awaken Church? We're going to show you pictures that are sometimes going to make you uncomfortable to look at because you feel like you're so far from it. That's not what I look like. Yeah, not yet. But you will. Hang around long enough, keep your attitude right, keep the jealousy and the envy down, continue to trust God and do what is right and walk with the Lord. You will be a reflection of the beautiful pictures that God puts in front of you. So when Peter was saying to the lame man, look at us, he wasn't talking about just a financial, I mean, he wanted a financial transfer. But what Peter was bringing was, was a spiritual transfer of identity. I am a picture of what you can become. <laughs> Make me more like Jim. Is Jesus like Jim? Paul put it this way in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. God is going to put people in your world that is actually asking you to imitate. And it's not some kind of idolatry or worshiping man. None of that. It's just follow them as they follow Christ. They're going to help you get to a place of function that you haven't currently possessed. You may not be able to see good role models in your own natural parents or work colleagues, so on and so forth. But you're going to find in God's house people that you can emulate, people that you can model, marriages that you can aspire to, work ethics that you can assume as your very own, apply principles to your life that will change you. Look at us. Amen, Lee Ann. All right, the second statement that I want to highlight today is this one. Get up and walk. 
Right now, I want to talk about the power of your words. I mean, just think about it for a second. The audaciousness of Peter to say to a lame man, lame from birth, didn't even know how to walk because he'd never done it. And yet he has the audacity to say to this lame man that's looking for money, hasn't asked him for anything else, has not said, would you please pray for me and give me a miracle because I'd like to walk. And he has the audacity to say to him, get up and walk. This is a faith declaration spoken over a man that we see when it was received Because just as Peter stretched out his hand, the lame man stretched out his to receive it. The Bible says that his ankle bones were strengthened. Strength came to him and he started walking, but it didn't stop there. Then he started leaping, but it didn't stop there. And then he started praising God. The power of a faith declaration that is spoken and received. Now it could have been boom, bounce off. I asked you for money, that's all I want. Get out of my face. But this man received the words spoken over him. I want to talk to you today about the words you speak over yourself, over your life, over your family, over your children, over your health. The Bible tells us, does it not, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Guess what? The first purpose of your words is not to communicate, it's to create. Your, your words are creative. So, so let's do an inventory today. What areas of lameness in your life have you been speaking death over instead of life? Maybe it's a rebellious child. Maybe there's a situation in your health. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's things that you say about you. We can be shocking self-saboteurs sometimes. God is always rebuking me as I'm looking in the mirror and I'm noticing more gray hair or this or that, or even my eyesight as it, as it changes. And, oh, yeah, I'm losing my eyesight. And it's amazing how God will rebuke me and say, yeah, it is as you say. It is as you say. What are you declaring over yourself? In the book of Jeremiah, when God gave Jeremiah this incredible download of all the wonderful things that he was going to do, he was going to speak to kings and shift the culture over nations, and then Jer- Jeremiah came back to God like so many of us can in our unbelief and our fleshly response, and he goes, alas, oh God, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth, I'm too young. And then God comes back at him, and he points his divine finger, I imagine, And he says to him, do not say you are too young. In other words, Jeremiah, there are some things that you are not allowed to say about you. So where is God pointing his finger at you today over things you've been speaking over yourself that he's saying, stop it. Let that word of faith get up and walk receive it today. What am I saying over you today? Receive it today. Don't resist it. Don't reject it. Receive it today. What are you saying over your kids? One of my children um, was diagnosed with ADD, which is, I feel like every second boy is diagnosed with ADD. Do they have ADD or ADD or are they male? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 and look, they're putting a label on everything these days. Back in my day, they just say you had a lot of energy (laughs) and you didn't focus well. And I think probably Pastor Yerkin and I, both of us, had we been born in this era, would have had at least that label and Yerkin probably many others. (laughs) 
However, our son, so he went to school, he couldn't read straight away, he had a shocking time concentrating, had atrocious listening skills, all the things. And the report cards would come home and, you know, they, they were not heartening as a mother. And I remember looking at them and God spoke to me so clearly, your son's a genius. Call him a genius. So I used to call him my genius. I still refer to him this day as my genius. He's my genius. If you look at his name in my phone, I have next to his name, my genius. Do you know that boy at almost 22 is now a creative genius? I kid you not. He is a master in his craft. He just needed to find his place and his space. Is he a mathematician and a business head? No, but that boy can bust out a video like nobody's business. Incredibly creative and, and a masterful editor. It comes down to the power of your words. What is your declaration? Get up and walk. There was no two ways about it. Peter was speaking God's intent for this man. What are you speaking over the lame areas of your life, even if they're your children or your marriage? I love the story of Thomas Edison, who we all know was a famous American inventor. He invented, among other things, the light bulb. Now, where would we be without the light bulb? We'd be in the dark. We'd still have candles, for heaven's sake. So Thomas Edison had, had a similar story. He was what they would call mentally delayed. And one day, he came home with a letter from his teacher. The teacher said, I want you to send this home to your mother and have her read it. And Thomas Edison couldn't read at this point. He could not read. So he brought home this letter, and this is what the letter said. Your son is mentally deficient. We cannot let him attend our school anymore. He is expelled. So upon reading this, Thomas Edison's mother did not read it to Thomas the way it had been written. Instead, he read this, uh, Dear Mrs. Edison, your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have good enough teachers to train him. Please teach him yourself, which is what she did. And then, of course, we know who Th Thomas Edison became, the power of words. Now... It was many, many years later that Thomas Edison's mother passed away, and he had actually never seen the accurate contents of that le letter written many years ago by his teacher. He was going through some of her personal items, and he found the letter. And then he wrote in his own journal, he wrote this. He said, Thomas Edison was a mentally deficient child whose mother turned him into the genius of the century by her words. And I thought that was just incredible and worth sharing today. What you say, what you declare, what you speak, and what you receive, the words you receive, they matter. They matter. God has given me this lesson so many times in parenting. I have four children. Many of you know that one of my children went through a, a season of addiction, and there were many times when I looked at him in the natural where, where what I saw was not heartening, and had I limited my view of his future to what I saw with my natural eyes, I would have been very discouraged. But God said, I don't want you to speak what you see. I want you to speak what I see. Your son is the fruition of Psalm 1. And he had me, every time I felt discouraged, prophesy and declare Psalm 1 over my son. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight will be in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he will meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water and everything he does will prosper. What does my son look like? Well, he's getting to look like the fruition of that psalm because I am de determined 
that as I sow those seeds into his future, I'm going to bump into a harvest of my words and my prayers. Get up and walk. Peter did not reduce it down to his ability to understand it. Maybe, maybe if he could just stand, maybe, maybe if we could just get this lame man standing and hobbling, hobbling around on a cane. No, he's like, get up and walk. Imagine if you believed God for the very best. Not even like half of like 10% of a miracle, like a full-blown miracle. What areas do you need to increase your expectation? Because I, I guess I'm just so fed up with us Christians reducing God down to our ability to understand. Like we, we read, to, ah, we re, the Bible is so full of so many amazing stories. And then we're so lame in our thinking. Why? Why do we read stories about a, a God who does the most extravagant, wonderful miracles and then put our Bibles down and then just expect below average? Jesus said, when, when I return, will I still find faith? Can, can God stir the faith on the inside of you to believe for something that maybe has been dormant or look, looks impossible to to, to go again, to believe again, to shift your dish to the all things a possible network and believe God for a supersized, extravagant, walking, leaping, praising God type miracle. Can God do it? Yes. How do I know? Because he did. He did over and over and over and over again. I like this word. I'm feeling inspired by this. Hurricane Hillary is going to bypass us, y'all, because it, it's, it's too afraid. Hillary is losing again, America. Hillary is losing again. I'm not going to San Diego. The people of faith out there. That's right. You better back off. We're a city on a hill. <laughs> I just like this. I want you to. I want you to receive it today because I feel. I feel the spirit of the Lord moving so mightily. There's people here and you, you've come under what the world has told you you can expect and God wants to bust you out of that. The, this story is in the Bible for a reason. The Bible isn't a history book. It, it's, a, it's a book of life. It's, it's living, it's active. It's more relevant than today's newspaper. And I'm I'm telling you today, the stories in the Bible aren't sent there just so we could read about what God did back then. I was just recently listening to a podcast of a person I really don't like. And I do that every now and then because I like to think, I like to figure out how they think. Like, uh, Jürgen can't do it. Pastor Jürgen can't do it. He gets too angry and mad. Has to turn, oh, that guy's an idiot. I'm like, well, I actually want to know how the idiots think because I, I want to help them not be idiots. And I want to be able to have a well-fortified argument. And it's sad because they were like Christians, apparently, and saying, well, you know, you can't read the Bible and put yourself in the story. The story of David and Goliath isn't about you. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's not a history book. It's, it's a book of life where we're meant to cite precedent, where we look at those stories, look at us, look at us, look at us. And when you read about Hannah, the barren woman, who didn't just have one baby, by the way, that would have been a miracle just given her one baby. Yeah. 
God, and the barren has had seven, the Bible says. This is how extravagant God is. And then we reduce him down. We reduce him down. Just give me some charity. No. God wants to give you change. I'm being extra, extra passionate today because I believe it with every fiber of my being. And I've seen it. I've seen it. Get up and walk. Amen, Leanne. Gosh, the Bible will preach forever. If only you'd read it. And the third and final point, and thank you for coming up and helping me. Peter says, what is so surprising about this? Because he'd been with Jesus. He saw this stuff happening all the time. What is so surprising about this? You see a lame man who's been lame from his mother's womb, walking, leaping, praising God. I am not surprised because I know Jesus. See, here is what the spirit of the world will try and do. It will try to turn you into a Christian atheist. Oh, you believe in God, but you just don't know who he is. Oh, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to heaven lame because I didn't believe God who was who he said he was. What does the Bible tell us in the book of Hebrews? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe he is. Who is he? Who is he? The Bible is telling us who he is, but the spirit of the world will try to turn you into Christian atheists. Oh, yeah, I'll turn up to church. I'll have my WWJD, my American flag, my Trump sticker, do all that. But I'm not going to believe that he is who he says he is. It's not enough. When I return, will I still find faith? Who is he? Who is he? It's not enough to just say, I believe in God. Who is he? Because if you understand who he is, everything shifts, everything changes. Oh, my gosh. My mom gives me the best stories of all time. She has little minor medical emergencies to prove that she's had major medical miracles. So, for example, at 76, she decides to take up Pilates. God bless her. But she goes straight from zero to hero. Us gray girls are not known for our washboard abs. Okay, so I'm like, Mom, if you want good abs, they're made in the kitchen. You don't start by doing a, like a level three Pilates class. So that's what she did, and she put her back out so bad that they had to call Australia's equivalent of 911 and put her on painkillers, and she's been bedridden for three days and the whole thing. So, so anyway, that's besides the point. However, here, here's, here's what I want to tell you. So she has to have all these tests because she's 75 and so they're testing everything because that's what they do. And so they're testing everything and of course her back's been put out and they're like, okay, you'll be fine, you just need to not do Pilates <laughs> and rest for a bit and you'll be right as rain. But then they're doing the test and they're like, wow, you have the, you got the heart of a teenager. You have the heart of a teenager. Why is that significant for a 75, almost 76 year old woman? So my, when my mom was a little girl, she had the same heart condition that her mother had, that her mother died of at 44. When she was in her 40s, the doctor said to her, you're gonna follow the same pattern as your mother. You're, you, 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 this is terminal. You, you're not gonna live past 44, make preparations. You have five daughters, so make sure your husband's good to go because he's gonna be on his own. So she believes God. She's like the, the beggar at the gate. She has an expectation. She's, she comes from a mainline church. She's got a relationship with God, but 
She didn't know about the power of God and all of a sudden she starts listening to Kenneth and Gloria Copeland and gets faith for a miracle of her own and, and she believes God and she gets healed, miraculously healed. Her heart, according to the doctors, should have killed her and here she is at 75, almost 76 with a Pilates injury and they're looking at her heart and they're like, you have the heart of a teenager, only Jesus, walking, leaping, praising God. This is just not a low-level miracle. This is exceedingly, abundantly above. Ephesians 3.20. Oh my gosh, we got this Bible. I don't want us to be embarrassed when we get to heaven. I don't want to be embarrassed when, when we walk through with all our different things, right? And, and God's like, in the world. Get in here, you scamp. <laughs> Come on in, you rascal. Gosh, I wish you had to believe me and my word. What is so surprising about this? Amen. Amen. This wasn't just restoration. This was total restoration. He was not just walking. He was leaping. What would leaping look like for you? So it tells me that he didn't just start walking. This, this guy's joy was restored. How many people need their joy restored? Do you know one of the things that they spoke over my son, which I immediately canceled, by the way, with a faith declaration, was that because of the addiction and the drugs, that his serotonin levels would be so impaired that he would have to be on certain medications for the rest of his life. I'm like, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. And I'm going to declare that over my son's life. I'm believing for not just his walk, not just his life, but his leap. His joy is going to return. He's not going to need anything synthetic. God is the, he's the source of our joy. If he can give us joy in the first place, he can certainly restore it when the devil's stolen it. He is the God who put a, a baby in the womb of Baron Sarah. He is the God who parted the sea so one million Israelites could walk across it on dry land and be saved from their enemy. He is the God who made the sun stand still for Joshua. He is the God who brought down a well-fortified wall of Jericho with nothing more than a shout. He is the God who delivered Daniel from a lion's den. He is the God who stood with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace so they did not even smell of smoke. He is the God who raised the dead, who raised Lazarus after he was dead in a tomb for three whole days. He is the God who brought back Jairus' daughter, brought back the widow's son. He is the God who delivered a tormented man. They gave the name Legion that society declared could no longer be helped. And he was seated, clothed, and in his right mind. Mine. This is the God who pierced the heart of a relig religious zealot by the name of Saul who was killing Christians and then transformed him into one of the greatest church leaders the world has ever seen. This is the God who sent his perfect son, Jesus. And this Jesus defeated sin, defeated death, rose again and is coming back and he's looking for faith. He's looking, do you believe in me? Do you know who I am? What lame areas in your life are you facing? Stand to your feet today. We're entering a season where miracles are a possibility. I would just say a possibility. 
Because if this lame man had of rejected Peter and John's prayers, advances, and words, he would have just lived forever as a lame man, just getting by day to day. But what if you receive the word of the Lord? What if you receive the gift of faith that God has put on the inside of your life and believe for something radical? Jesus was radical. And you know what? I I hate it when people sign off on their letters on Instagram when things bad happen in the world and they're like, oh, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Guess what? He did come and he left his power in you and me. What are you doing with it? I never want to slap people so bad as when I see that statement. Oh, Jesus, come. He did come. He came. And he left his power and authority. All authority has been given to me, Jesus said, and I give it to you as my disciples. What are you doing with it? Peter and John showed us what we do with it. We shift things. We change things in society, in our own lives, in our families. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you that when you return, you will find a church sons and daughters, men and women of God with faith, (laughs) with faith. Father, I thank you right now. We, We just lift off every ceiling that the enemy or unbelief or any ill spirit that tries to keep us under what you have called us to reign and have authority over has put on these people's lives. Father, bust open the ceiling today. Father, let us see a radical expression again of all that you want to do. Jesus, you said in my name, you will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. You will cast out demons. Father, we've never been in a time where we have had more obvious need of your power, of of your healing, of your ability to deliver people. Father, let us not waste our moment on planet Earth, but have the courage and the faith of Peter and John to look at the lame areas in our own life first, but then also in those around us and speak life, to see a shift, not just charity, but real change. Father, bless these ones. Right now, if you're believing, actually, if you're believing for a child to come back to the Lord, I want you to lift your hands. There's an anointing for for that right now, faith to come for that. I want to impart to you today. Father, I thank you that All the prodigals are coming home. All the prodigals are coming home. Father, that as they sit in the pig slop, that they come to themselves and say, in my father's house, there was bread enough and to spare. I will return to the house of my father. And I just hear the Lord saying, fear not, fear not, fret not. God's hand is upon your children. Just continue to speak faith, to pray and declare, and then live with an expectation just like the father did. Think about the father in the prodigal story. He was waiting, constantly looking because he had an expectation. He knew my baby's coming home. That's my baby. That's my baby. And my baby is coming home. That's the word of the Lord today. And there may be many times you look out on that horizon and you don't see your baby, but your baby's coming home. Your baby's coming home. Your baby's, lift your hands nice and high. I feel it, I feel it. And there's people and you're discouraged by by what you see with your natural eyes. I know and I've been there and I have compassion for you. But compassion alone won't save you. Let your words align with God's words over your children. Ask the Lord for a scripture. I've got a verse for every single one of my kids. You know why? Because I need them. I need them. That you can be the world's best parents, but it's not foolproof. 
because our kids have free wills. But at the end of the day, God, God's hand is on them and nothing can snatch them out of their father's hands. Have an expectation that just like the, the father in the story of the prodigal saw his son come back on the horizon that one day and everything shifted, that the same will happen to you. Your sons and daughters are coming home. The Bible even has a scripture, I will bring your sons and your daughters from afar. I will say to the east, give them up. I will say to the west, do not hold them back. God's hand is on your kids. He loves your kids. Grandma's here too. Yeah, God's hand is on your grandchildren. Continue to pray. Continue to persevere in faith. We're entering a season of miracles. How beautiful, God, you're so beautiful. Let our faith be ready, Father, for, for when the, the time comes that we don't resist it and we don't reject it. I felt the Lord tell me yesterday, as I was preparing for this message to speak to you beautiful people, what would it look like to, what, what would your faith goal be? What is it you're believing for? What's, what's, your, what's your faith goal? What's God asking you to believe for? I'll never forget when Pastor Jürgen said that to me. He said, I need a faith goal. Every, every single one of us constantly needs a faith goal. He's like, I'm gonna do something radical because I need something to engage my faith with. I'm like, all right, okay, strap me to the wheel. We're about to get, it's about to get interesting. <laughs> but if you were to ask God for a Christmas present this year, as we kind of come to the last season and this year, what would it look like? What would it look like? God wants to give you something. The Bible says that God loves to give good gifts to his children. What would it look like? What would your Christmas present from God look like? Put it in your mind's eye. Engage your faith. Make sure you don't curse what God is asking you to bless. And just be expecting. Expecting. Believing. Get to know him. Don't just believe in him. Get to know him. Get to know his character. Father, we love you. I thank you for this beautiful presence and spirit in this building today. God bless your people. Father, I thank you for a spirit of faith rising in this place. I bind every spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Unbelief, we push you back in Jesus' name. And we declare we are people of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say glory to God. Ah, exciting days. Exciting days amazing. Well, I just love you. And here's um, Pastor Michael and happy birthday, Awakened Church, 18. Wow. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.